An angel, huh? Joseph says to Mary, incredulously. This, to be clear, is what I imagine Joseph saying to Mary in the Gospel of Luke. It's not written there. When she tells him of the Annunciation, the visit of the angel Gabriel, and his news that she would bear a son. But just as we don't hear Mary's opinion much in Matthew about her situation, we don't hear Joseph's opinion much in the Gospel of Luke. We have to imagine what their conversation might have been like either way, and I imagine it was a difficult one. And I believe in Luke, it must have happened somewhere between chapter 1, verses 38 and 39, between the angels departing Mary and then Mary's skipping town to go spend six months with relative Elizabeth, who also was pregnant with cousin John the Baptist. Mary says to Joseph, yes, yes, an angel, and his name was Gabriel. He had a name. He told me I would be with child even though I've never been with you or anyone else. Anyone else, Joseph must have said quietly to himself. Yes, the angel told me that the Holy Spirit would visit me, that the power of the Most High would overshadow me, and that the child growing inside me would be called the Son of God. You mean to tell me, Joseph responds, that an angel came here to you in Nazareth. We don't even have a McDonald's, and we have an angel with a name? Yes, Mary says. A divine pregnancy, you say? Yes, Mary says. I know it sounds impossible, but the last thing Gabriel said to me was, nothing will be impossible with God. I've been wondering if Gabriel's claim about possibility is what compelled Mary's immediate response to faithfulness, which was, and I quote, here am I, here am I. Let it be with me according to your will. I wonder, too, if it's what finally clinched Joseph's eventual decision to stay with Mary, that memory of, of what she said, that nothing would be impossible with God. I've been wondering if it was that very claim, nothing, will be impossible with God that served as the invisible bonding agent for the whole Christmas story up to this point. Mary's conversation with Gabriel is reminiscent of Sarah's conversation with the mysterious messengers in Genesis. Do you remember? When they, they, they show up at the doorstep of her and Abraham's tent, and they tell her that she's going to conceive and bear a son as a nonagenarian. She's in her 90s. Why are you laughing, Sarah? They ask. Sarah? Sarah, come now. Get a hold of yourself. Why are you laughing? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Ah. We can lay the first angel's question, is anything too wonderful for the Lord, right alongside Gabriel's declaration Nothing will be impossible with God. And there we may identify a common theme that runs like a red thread 
through all of Scripture and all through the record of God's revelation, all through history, and threaded right into the present, right into the seams of our own hearts. What say you, beloved? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? It's such a, just a surprise. I'm, I'm sorry, it's such a delight. It's such a delight to be surprised again and again just by life. By being reminded again and again that things I assume are impossible are, are actually maybe a reality hiding in plain sight. And not only hiding in plain sight, but serving mysteriously as a kind of elemental bond holding together precious life-giving things. Encountering story after story about our lives with God, past or present, scriptural stories or contemporary stories, it begins to dawn on us that, that maybe God's favorite medium, maybe God's favorite artistic tool and the stuff of his imagination is the wondrous, the unlikely, the impossible. Just after watching the movie Interstellar, I sat stunned by the story as well as the scientific claims the film explored. Matthew McConaughey stars as Cooper, an astronaut who leaves his daughter Murphy behind on an overheating Earth and risks his life in this harrowing search for another planet that can possibly sustain human life. He and his crew travel through a wormhole that might be closing soon to another part of the universe effectively traveling through time. Complex gravitational forces present incredible challenges. In one intense moment, their spacecraft is drawn into the center of a black hole where space-time is so rearranged that Cooper is able to communicate with his daughter by plucking the strings of time and moving books on the bookshelf of his daughter's room while she sits there reading. Impossible, I thought. Hollywood hyperbole, the stuff of imagination and screenplays, until I saw a clip of the famous physicist Neil deGrasse Tyson's comment on that very moment in the film when somebody asked him, is that possible, could that really happen? And he said, well, actually, well, actually it is. Theoretically, it is. So in true biblical fashion, I needed a second witness, so I asked my Uncle Mark, a physicist uh, and director of a lab at Duke University. I said, Uncle Mark, you seen the movie? Yeah, I saw it. What did you think of that moment when he gets sucked into the middle of a black hole and, and reaches the singularity and, and plucks the strings of time and communicates across vast differences of space and time. He said, yes, from what we understand so far, technically it would be possible to communicate across time and space through wormholes in the universe. There's a lot of beauty in the skies of our Christmas stories. But maybe the real wonder of Christmas, the impossibility of Christmas, isn't that far away. It's just as close to us as the viscera of a human womb, as close to us 
as our own hearts and, and lungs and fallopian tubes and pelvic bones that alter and spread to make room for the very presence of God. Maybe that's the thing that's hardest of all for most of us to believe, that God would come so close to human life that God would enter into our own lives, our own stories, and even into our own bodies, even to become a human being, to live and suffer with us in order to do nothing less than save the whole world. What's possible? What's possible that we thought was impossible? What's so impossible we would never have even entertained the thought that it might be possible? It never would have entered our minds that it could even be a thing that could possibly happen. Recently, I was sitting down with a dear friend, a member of our church, young, a beautiful life ahead of him, well-read, well-adjusted, but going through a crisis in his life and, in fact, sitting in the doctor's office waiting for his appointment, he said he saw Mary just plain and present as the other folks with him in the room turning to him and that there were, there were others with her and that this moment of crisis gave way to a kind of consolation for him. And in that moment, that wide awake moment in this public waiting room, seeing Mary turning to him, he said to her, Pray for me. He said she was the most consoling, generous advocate. And he said, she has introduced me to Jesus. And that has changed everything. What was possible before, what's possible now? Christmas alters forever what we think is possible Christmas overturns our assumptions of what is impossible, what realities hover around you. What cold, hard facts haunt and taunt you? Addictions and temptations, debts and financial worries, old wounds that still fester, moments or long chapters of despair, waves waves of unrelenting grief. What is so real and unalterable in your life right now that imagining God entering your situation in a saving way seems beyond the realm of possibility? I've mentioned the great preacher John Claypool to you before. The late, great John Claypool, Baptist preacher turned Episcopal priest. Claypool and his wife, it's famously known, said goodbye to their daughter, Laura Lou, about 40 years ago. The child had died of leukemia, and they were broken. 
about 32 years after that happened, an interviewer asked Claypool, how have you carried on? How have you been able to live your life the way that you have in the wake of such tragedy? And he said, well, it's, it's never easy. And how I long for Laura Lou to be alive today. But I still remember in my own personal struggle the night that it happened, the, the revelation that came upon me that, that Laura Lou was not my possession, but that she was my gift. She was pure gift. And once I realized that she was not my possession, I could turn my clenched fist into an open hand and receive the good gifts of God in a way that I never had before. What was impossible before? What's possible now? What is Christmas this year? Is Christmas possible this year? Can it happen to you? Can it happen to us? And if it does, can we say exactly what Mary said? Here am I. Let it be with me according to your will. It's possible. <laughs>